Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a J-M-I-E, your 697th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And today we are on our way to New Asgard as we are just talking about the Thor Love and Thunder movie. That's right, the new Thor movie, Thor 4, has hit the theaters. It is out. It is the MCU's next foray into their uh, new phase, phase four of films, and it is leading to what we don't really know yet. There's been talk of Secret Wars and other uh, experiences, but this is coming off the heels of Doctor Strange 2. How does Thor Love and Thunder stack up? Let's just jump right into it. Um, This movie, right off the bat, you get more vibes. They decided that with the way the Thor film went from Ragnarok, and Ragnarok was such a big success, and everybody loved Ragnarok, they took that and they said, we're going to run with this, and we're going to go full steam ahead this direction. The problem with that is, is the tone of this film doesn't fit the tone of this film. Now, before I do anything bad, spoiler alert, spoilers are coming. Uh, As you know, spoiler alert, so I'm going to do that right out of the gate. But also, let's just get into the good stuff. The soundtrack to this is amazing. The last two Thor films especially have had a fantastic soundtrack. It has been just, just fantastic to see. Chris Hemsworth is great and looks great as a titular character Thor. We get the... uh, a brief glimpse with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I actually thought they were going to be a bigger presence in this film than they actually were. But Chris Pratt, Drax, uh, Nebula, Rocket, Groot, we get to see the interaction that Thor has been, has been having with them and some of the you know adventures. We get the return of Korg. Korg is always hilarious, voiced by Tika Waititi, who uh, directed and helped write this film. And basically this is kind of like we hear Korg telling the story of Thor and the Guardians and basically some of this you get to see glimpses of the some of the adventures they've been on been on and we also this is visually looks great and Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher did an amazing job he was so creepy in this role um, being in the shadow realms and seeing him in the darkness with the white and grayscale face paint grayscale makeup we get to see his backstory of what led him to being what he is and getting the necro sword now granted I was not always the biggest Thor fan in the comics. I never really got into it real big. So I knew who Gore uh, was, but I didn't know much about him. So I don't know much about his history. I don't know much about how things went. But they give us the history of him basically starving and dying of dehydration in the desert. Him and his daughter, we get to see that he you know, is praying to his God that he would bring them sustenance and save them. His daughter tragically passes away. And then he finds a... Mirage, what he thinks, what ends up being a grotto where his God's hanging out. He's eating, he's drinking, he's, you know, living a life. And Gore's there, and he's like, you know, now that you're here, you can save us. And basically, get the his God tells him, you know, I'm not going to save you. I don't care. There'll be many others besides you that, that will worship me. He said, the only reason you're here is to suffer for your God. That's the whole point of your existence. And we find out that his god had finally had recently killed someone who had the necro sword, which is there to may was made solely to kill gods. Um, as Gore renounces his god and says, "You know, you're no god, you're no nothing." The god starts to kill him. The sword chooses him. He stabs him, kills him, 
and basically it's infected him. The sword infects who it was, it takes over and basically corrupts them till they die and then it moves on. So we get to see that he has been killing gods throughout history. Um, as the guardians are there, they're hearing, you know, distress calls. We see one, Thor knows somebody and that person is, you know, calling upon Thor. We get to see different gods that Gore has killed. One of them looks strangely like Godzilla. They give him a name. They say what he is. You know, Thor says he's one of the gentlest gods there is. It's Godzilla. That's exactly what it is. There's a lot of references to other gods in this, but Christian Bale does an amazing job. He's creepy. Uh, some of the lighting times when he's in the shadow realm, when he's just in the dark, and you'll see his yellow eyes, and you'll see his teeth. His Using his actual um, speaking voice, that, that British voice he has, it's it brings a creepiness to this, and he does an amazing job as it. But that's the problem. They kind of go creepy with gore and what he's doing, uh, and we're going to the Shadow Realm, but there's a lot of jokes in this movie. There's a lot of jokes that shouldn't be in this movie. They went a little overboard with it sometimes with the humor and trying to make it upbeat. You know, Marvel has a thing of mixing action and humor, and especially with the first two Thor films when there wasn't a lot of humor, and then Ragnarok went heavy on the humor and it took off. It's kind of like they just took that and went with it a little too deep. There's a lot of jokes in here that really didn't need to be in there. They're a little misplaced, a little overdone. You know, there's, there's times when it seems like you should be a little bit more serious, that they're not being serious, they're wanting to tell jokes or do something jokey, just to kind of get a rise out of the audience. The star of this film, 100%, are the Screaming Goats. You'll know what I'm talking about. That They are just hilarious in their film anytime they are on. Um, they get given to Thor as a gift for... A gift, I'm using air quotations, for saving a planet. He destroys their temple, but he saves their planet. And he gives them to him. Basically, like, you're, you're taking these goats. And the goats just scream. That's what they do. But it's just funny. Just the times when they're there, when you hear them, and they'll just, something will happen, and all of a sudden you'll just hear the goat scream. It, it works, and that's, that's the funny part. Korg is amazing, trying to call the goats. Um, we get our cameos from... Matt Damon playing Loki again. You know, they do another reenactment of Thor Ragnarok with the cameo of Melissa McCarthy playing his sister. And it is great when you hear her voice and her pop out, her in the outfit. It is it is hilarious. She's probably the best cameo in the entire film. It is just funny to watch when she pops out and them doing that. And that seems to be a running joke that they're doing uh, the plays as things happen, as you see later on. Now, let's just jump into this. Uh, Natalie Portman playing Thor. There was, you know, a lot of people were like, this is stupid, this isn't right. Let me tell you this. Uh, the Thor comics, they made Jane Foster Thor. I gave that a shot. I wanted to see how it was. Whenever they did the, the controversial of that, they did um, the when Sam Wilson became Captain America. Like, they did these in the comics, and it was all in a big thing. And a lot of people were talking about Marvel's trying to go too woke, and it's not right. Sam Wilson worked. The Thor character, Jane Foster being Thor, did not work. The comics were terrible. The comics were not good. They weren't written well. They weren't. They, they just didn't work for me. It just it made no sense. So when they find out that this was going to happen, I was like, Jesus, Lord, I, I really hope they can figure this out. I thought maybe she was going to be Thor from another multiverse since we've, we've tapped into that. You know, that would be okay if we don't have to deal with it. No. Jane Foster in this has cancer, stage four cancer. She's dying. Basically, she's been told to get her affairs in order. She's trying to figure out how to save herself, trying to figure out how to, how to cure cancer. And she apparently, you know, reads some Norse thoughts. She's like, you know, that Mjolnir can 
you know, the, the power of Minor can, can save and heal and blah, blah, blah. So she goes to New Asgard, which has become a tourist attraction. You know, when we left Ragnarok, Asgard was destroyed. Um, we've got on Earth now New Asgard run by Valkyrie. And it's turned into a tourist. There's rides, there's tours, there's snow cone places. You know, there, there's just all this stuff that made it into like a Disneyland type thing. Okay. They have his hammer laying there after Helena had destroyed it. Basically, it's where it was at. They give you, it's encased in dome. And it said, you know, that these pieces of, of immovable rocks, you know, they give you the little history, blah, blah. We find out that Jane's there looking at it, and it starts to shake, it starts to move, it starts to vibrate. So then when Thor actually goes back to New Asgard to, for the first time, to fight Gore, and, you know, after he's found out, he goes there to protect it, that's when we see Jane for the first time. We find out that Mjolnir has come back together, given her the power of Thor, Here's my issue with all this. People are going to hate on it. First off, Natalie Portman just it, I don't I don't I like Natalie Portman, but for some reason it just annoyed me. What did she do to be worthy of the to to wield Mjolnir? What did she do? Captain America wielded her, and we know what he's done. He sacrificed himself. He was going to sacrifice himself. He's done so much. He's pure of heart. What did she do? She wrote a book on physicists, on theory and time and space. They try to make her seem like she's done a lot for the community, but they really, I mean, what does she do to possess the power to hold Thor's hammer? There are a lot of people who write books and do charity work. Does that mean they can all wield it? Uh, so that, that made no sense. To me, her wielding it like that took away a little bit from when Captain America did it. It took a little bit of that spice of like, Okay, then, you know, he was worthy. Well, now she's worthy for whatever reason. Now, we do get, as Korg's telling the history of Thor and Jane, we get to see parts of their relationship and how it goes. That Thor was weirdly, like, had a weird love relationship with his hammer. And at one point, he says, you know, promise me that you'll protect her. And we see a little symbol pop up. And people said, well, well, that, that, that's what it means right there, that, you know, that, that it, was, it came together to protect her. How did it know she needed protected? Maybe it can sense it. I don't know. It is a magic hammer. However, let me ask you this. I put this to all you chimichangas and tacos out there who are going to argue that that's the reason. If Mjolnir can bring herself together, heal herself to let Jane wield her, if she could fix herself, why didn't she do that for Thor? Why did Thor have to go make Stormbreaker? You understand what I'm saying? Why did Thor have to make a brand new weapon if Mjolnir could just come back together? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It, it just didn't work. It didn't make any sense when it came to that aspect of it can fix itself for her, but it wouldn't do it for Thor, who it was built for in the first place. Then, we get this weird thing with Stormbreaker being a jealous ex-girlfriend. Thor is like, all of a sudden, he sees Mjolnir and he just wants Mjolnir. I don't know why the fuck he wants it. Because if you remember in Infinity War, or excuse me, not Infinity War, but if you remember in Endgame, at one point he's holding the hammer, Cap's holding Stormbreaker, and he said, no, 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 you give me the big one, you take the little one. Now all of a sudden he's in love with his hammer again, and we get this weird, like, Stormbreaker's a, a, a Jellitex girlfriend. She doesn't want to listen to Thor now. Um, like she'll pop around and he's like apologize, act like he's getting caught cheating. 
it's it's strange. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to be a jokey. I get it. They overdo it with it too much, and it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, on top of that, Stormbreaker apparently doesn't have the power of Thor. Stormbreaker can be wielded by anybody because we see multiple people wield the fucking axe in this damn movie. The villain wields the axe. Gore is trying to get to eternity to wish for all gods to be dead. That is the plot of this film. Eternity in the comics is, you know, just space. You see a human figure that's encapsulated with space. They did an amazing job of making it look like that. But he didn't have the key. That was the whole thing. The gods said he didn't have the key. He'll never reach it. The key was the Bifrost. To open the Bifrost, he needed Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker can be wielded by apparently a villain. Stormbreaker can be wielded by a child because it gets ha it happens. Stormbreaker can be wielded by just normal children in general. It, it the, I, they they take their own lore and they kind of disregard it for the sake of the film, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's no big fight scenes in this. There's a couple of fight scenes, but there's no monster fight scenes. Like you would think that Gore and Thor would have this gigantic fight scene when you have. Uh, a butcher with a sword that can kill gods. You would think that there would be this, this big power struggle. There isn't. Anytime they try to create any kind of um, any kind of a, a a system to where you're like, is he going to make it? What's going to happen? They try to make suspense happen. It doesn't feel like it's really suspenseful. Like it, it, this one, for some reason, doesn't have that feel of suspense to it. Like you know what's going to happen. Maybe it's fatigue with superheroes. I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the way the film is going because it's got two different tones that never set right with each other. But it just it it didn't work in in the aspect of which they wanted. We go to the land to see gods, where like he's going to Thor's thing is I'm gonna go put a, get all the gods together to help destroy Gore. Let's get the let's go and make like basically a super team of gods. It's a fucking brilliant idea. If he's trying to kill the gods, let's put all the gods together and destroy him. You know, he can probably take one-on-one, -on -one, but I don't think he can take everyone. We go there and we get to see glimpses of other gods. You know, Shiva's there and we get to see uh, Baoling, I think was the name of it, which is the god of dumplings, which was hilarious. It's just an animated dumpling and a spoon. They make a reference to the God of Carpentry, which is a reference to Jesus. They, that You can argue all you want. They don't show it. That's a reference to Jesus because why wouldn't you put Christianity's God in there too? Um, but seeing the gods creates its own issue. Odin is the God of North mythology. Odin is the, the big daddy, you know, the, the end-all, be-all. In this, every god is a living being. Every god is real. And Zeus is the, the most powerful god. Zeus is number one. He controls everything. He's the oldest. So it kind of breaks its own spirit in this. It kind of breaks its own thing. If Odin was god of North mythology, he was there. He was their power. But if Zeus is the, the, the reigning god, the true god, you know, the one that's in charge of everything, why wouldn't Zeus be the one they follow? It kind of breaks its own spirit. Zeus is played by Russell Crowe, which is it's funny. He's... He got a dad bod, and he he talking like this. He talking like an Italian man, and basically he's a he's a punk. Zeus is scared. Zeus doesn't. He's become a fat god. He's lazy. 
he's a show-off, that's about it. Thor wants to, you know, get him to help, or at least get his lightning bolt to help. Zeus doesn't want to. Zeus rips his clothes off. That's just for the women. You see Chris Hemsworth's butt, and, you know, all the women are like, oh, my God, they're fainting. The, the whole God scene could have been played a lot differently. It's there to lead to the next film uh, where Zeus's son is going to be the one going after Thor for killing Zeus because Thor almost pretty much kills Zeus. Zeus doesn't die, but he almost kills Zeus with his own lightning bolt. This is the thing I'm talking about. They could have went somewhere really good with this and they decided to go into a comedic aspect instead of playing it serious. This didn't need to be comedic. You had it comedic with the the animated dumpling and stuff like that. You didn't have to go Zeus being a full comedic character. You didn't have to do all that. But for some reason, they went that route. Um, when all this happens, and the gods are like, we're not going to help you. We're not going to be a part of this. They were like, even Thor says, you know, I'm pretty sure all the gods are going to be hunting us to the end of eternity now because I killed Zeus. They let you out of the fucking place. None of them tried to stop you from leaving. So what's... It made no sense. But anyway, when the gods didn't help him, what I don't get about this is why not call Hulk? Why not call, you know, Steve Rogers? Why not call the other Avengers or heroes, Captain Marvel, whatever? Why not call them to help, try to help you? Maybe it's one of the things where he's like, you know, they, they would be useless against the, the Necrosaur. I don't know, but they've gone against beings like this before. They went up against Thanos with an Infinity Gauntlet. Thanos is a Titan. A Titan is basically, you know a god why did they he not call them it made no sense whatsoever for them not to it it, it, it really didn't and the story the movie it goes in the shadow realm it goes in the black and white and in the end we see that gore reaches eternity and as jane is dying because mjolnir is taking every bit of her mortal being and her ability to fight off the cancer which it's killing her, so it's supposed to save her, yet it's killing her. It makes that made no sense. He he goes to Jane, who's dying as they're in front of eternity, and he talks to Gore. He's like, you know, you could bring back your daughter. And Gore's dying, and he's basically says, you know, what would be the use if I bring her back and she'd be alone? Well, she wouldn't be alone. So he pro he asks for his daughter. Her daughter, his daughter comes back, and we see that now Jane dies, and Jane. Gets the same send off to Valhalla that Odin did when he turns to she turned to magic dust, and that also made no sense. She died in battle. She's going to Valhalla, whatever. But now her family and friends don't get to say goodbye or have a memorial because she turned to dust. But her child, we see that Thor is now raising Gore's child. Uh, he's Uncle Thor, and she's helping him battle, you know, and save planets and. She's wielding Stormbreaker as now he's wielding Milnor, who's still together even after Jane died. The movie's not bad. I know I just went through a lot of, of of bashing it. The movie isn't terrible. The movie is better than Thor 1 and 2. The movie is better than, you know, the Ant-Man films. It's better than certain Marvel films. It's not the best Marvel film. It's kind of mid, but it's Marvel. It's going to be a decent film. It's just, they went, a lot of the issues I have is them breaking their own continuity, breaking their own stories to fit another narrative, which didn't make sense. Adding a character in Jane being Thor, which just, she was just there as a plot point. It didn't do anything. 
and it didn't help anything move along and putting way too many jokes in at times when it didn't need to be joked. Gore the God Butcher as this scary, in-the-shadows, demon-like character did not need to have all that comedy put into place. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, if you're a fan of Marvel movies, it's an, it's an enjoyable film. You're going to laugh. There isn't as much action as I was expecting. Again, I was expecting a huge battle scene between Gore and Thor. We didn't really get that. You get battle scenes, but it's not on the level or the aspect of which I thought that they were going to go or what they could have done when you have somebody with a sword that can kill gods. It seemed like Thor was still never really in any danger. Like, I wanted to see Thor, I guess, get injured, get hurt, bleed something to make it seem like he had a chance of not winning. They never went that route. They never did anything. Jane never got hurt. The only one that got hurt was Valkyrie, and it was, she got stabbed, and she was fine. Like, it... I don't know. It just it, it didn't work the way that I think they wanted it to work. Ragnarok is a better film. This film isn't terrible. It's just not great. It's not what I expected. Um, and it pushes Thor in a way that didn't need to be pushed. Thor is a more serious character in the comics. I understand that the serious nature didn't work in the first two films. But you didn't need to make full jokes. The, you know, we have... Ant-Man is a joke one. That, that That's Paul Rudd. That's what he does. Guardians of the Galaxy has a lot of jokes. We don't need we don't need to be have Thor being a joke character too. He can do jokes, he can have great you know interactions like that, but he doesn't need to have jokes constantly. We know Chris Hemsworth is funny, but we don't need to, to see that constantly. But again, if you enjoy Marvel films, you will enjoy this film. I mean, it's just there's a lot of stuff I personally would have changed in the film, but a lot of people like it. A lot of people, some people don't. Leave it up to you. You know, I, I'm the one that always advocates for just because someone says they don't like it doesn't mean you won't like it. There's a lot of films I love that critics hated and people I know hate, but I, I love them. So it's all up to your taste. Go out and see it. Support these movies and let's see what it goes. Let me know how you feel about it. What, what's the things that you could have changed? What's the things you would have changed? Or would you have changed anything? Do you think the film is great the way it is? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Let me know. You can follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. Tag me in something. Let me see. I am on TikTok at NerdPoolPodcast. Now, Twitch, NerdPoolGaming. Let's follow me. Let's get this. Anywhere you get your podcast, like, comment, subscribe. It really helps the channel out. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hearing me complain about a Marvel film that I still somehow enjoyed. It's insane. Maybe it's because I try to find something I enjoy in everything, as you know. But thank you all for the love. Thank you for the support. Uh, you all are amazing. So until next time, that's Nerd Pool. See ya.